Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here tonight and coming into the presence of the Lord. Come for the worship and stay for the feeding. Truth in the inward parts. Psalm 51 and verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. I understand this verse in relation to the inward parts and the necessity and importance of righteousness, truthfulness, integrity, faithfulness, purity. God desires truth. He desires purity. He desires sincerity in the inward parts. <clears throat> but in recent weeks, I have been pondering what can be called the nobler viscera, the higher internal organs, some of the vital organs, and how they speak the wisdom of God to us. Now, there are the lower viscera, and the Bible comments on those as well and gives us truth and understanding concerning what? Affections and compassions, travail of spirit, birth pangs, intercessions. But that's another message. We understand that the members of our body, God uses the members of our body as representative of spiritual things. A heart <clears throat> that is clean. A walk in righteousness. Hands to serve. Eyes to see. Ears to hear. Lips that are filled with the wisdom and speak the knowledge of God. And then we have the nobler viscera. The higher viscera. What I call the kingdom three. These are vital organs. Without these, a person dies. These must be an operation to live for any human being, and how much more so spiritually. Number one, lungs that praise the Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we'll pour out our praise to you only. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Lungs that praise the Lord. Lord, teach me to know wisdom in the inward parts of my life. David in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7, when he brought up the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, onto Mount Zion, to Israel, the presence of God returning to his people, it says in verse 7, on that day David first delivered this psalm before he did anything else. Before the people were ministered to, before there was fellowship, David said, first things first. The first thing is that we praise and magnify the Lord. David first delivered this psalm into the hand of Asaph and his brethren to thank the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. 
Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. First, David said, we're going to praise the Lord. Psalm 150, 1 to 6, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That's in the house of the Lord. Praise God in his mighty firmament. For years I thought that the first statement was for the house of God and the second one that I'd have to go outside the house of the Lord and look up in the starry heavens. Praise God in the firmament of his power. But all of a sudden I realized that this is the atmosphere of his power. When his saints come to praise him and rejoice and begin to worship, the power and presence of God comes upon the church. God inhabits the praises of his people. This is the firmament of his power where he begins to work among a worshiping, praising people. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let no one say, I don't know how to praise the Lord. I don't know what he expects. What does God want from me when he come into the house of the Lord? The Lord has made it abundantly clear the kind of worship he delights in. With singing, with rejoicing, with dancing, with loud instruments, with praises of the Lord. He says, this is my delight. So God has spoken. Let us respond. Psalm 98 verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord the King. God says, that's how I want to be worshipped. People that are joyfully shouting and singing and praising, they're alive in my presence. They're honoring me and magnifying me. We don't worship the Lord in our own way. Who would I be that I would say I worship the Lord in my own way, that I would put up myself above what God says and what he delights in and what he desires? There was only one time in Jesus' entire ministry where he allowed the crowds, the multitudes of his disciples to acknowledge him publicly as the king, as Messiah, only one time. And that's when he made his triumphal, in, triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, six days before the crucifixion. And on that day, this is what happened. Luke 19, 37 to 40. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd. There are always some Pharisees in the crowd. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. 
Jesus said, this is the kind of worship that I appreciate, that is right for me. This is the kind of worship I receive and commend. My disciples singing and rejoicing and waving their hands as palm branches before the Lord, rejoicing greatly in who I am, the Messiah, the King of all. We must be careful that we don't contract spiritual pneumonia. Pneumonia, pneuma, the Greek word for breath. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit, Greek, pneuma, of God. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. And he's the one who fills us with his presence, and we begin to praise the Lord, and we begin to magnify the Lord. Let's be careful we don't contract spiritual pneumonia. It's kind of catchy if you're around the wrong people. Your lungs fill up with some foreign substance, some fluid, and you lose your breath. And if you don't get treated properly, you might even die. Lord, teach me wisdom in the inward parts. Teach me your ways, Lord. Number one, God says, lungs that praise the Lord. Number two, a heart that beats after God. We sing it in this house. His heart is beating like a drum. Nothing's going to stop his heart. Nothing's going to stop his heart for his people. His heart is beating like a drum for us. And our heart must beat like a drum after God. 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. David, a man after God's own heart. The Bible says the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed Saul, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found. He said, I was searching, and I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. God is still searching. His eyes go to and fro throughout the earth. He is looking for men and women whose heart will beat after him. He's looking for men and women who have a heart after God. Not something passive, something that is of strength, something that is active, something that is alive. God, my heart is beating after you. I want you more than anything. A heart that beats after God. No, it says David had a heart after God. I understand that it means that he had a heart that was patterned after God. It had the principles. It had the conditions of God in it. But you can't dismiss that from the fact that David also had a heart that pursued after God. 
a heart patterned after God, but a heart that pursued after God, and God loved him for it. God loved him for it. Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. I'm that desperate. I'm that thirsty. My heart is beating with anticipation for your presence. God's heart is beating like a drum for us. Let our heart beat like a drum for him. There's an obscure verse in the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 5. It's difficult to translate, and that's why there are so many differences and variances to it. But the simple translation from the Greek is, the spirit that dwelleth in us loveth us to jealousy. The Holy Spirit inside of us loves us to the nth degree. He loves us with all jealousy. And God is looking for people who say, I'm going to reciprocate that. I'm going to pour out my spirit to the Lord in same matter. My heart is going to beat after God. A heart that beats after God. This is one of the vital organs of the Christian life. Proverbs 23, 19 says, Hear my son and be wise and guide your heart in the way. God says, you guide your heart in the way. We can't say, well, if God wants me to have a greater heart after him, he can move on me. I'm waiting for God to do something. Stir my heart, Lord. God says, no, if you're wise, you will guide your heart in the way. You will say, heart, you start getting after God. You start pursuing after God. You start beating after God. Soul, you start thirsting after the living God. We are called to guide our own heart in the way. Verse 26 of the same chapter, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes Observe my ways. Hallelujah. The kingdom three. Lungs that praise the Lord. A heart that beats after God. And number three tonight, a cobed heavy with the cobbled. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. That's Hebrew, but I think I'll give the interpretation. A cobed heavy with the kabod. The kabod in Hebrew is the liver. The liver, that vital organ of the human body is called the kabod. And the glory of God, the presence of God that rests upon his people is called the kabod. Why is the liver called the kabod? in Hebrew, and why is the glory of God called the kabod? It's because they come from the same root word, meaning to be weighty, to be heavy. The liver is called the kabod in Hebrew because it is the heaviest organ of the internal organs. I looked it up. Sources say it weighs 3.3 pounds, 1,500 grams. The liver is the heaviest of our internal organs. And the kabod of God is called the kabod because it has weight. The glory of God has weight to it. 
It's called the glory of God. The presence of God is called the kabod in the Bible. The glory of God because it has weight to it. It has power to it. It has strength to it. It's heavy. Have you heard people say, and I've expressed it, and you probably have too, wow, there was a heavy anointing in the service last night. My, there was a heavy presence of God upon the church. That is what we're talking about. That presence of God, it's heavy. It's alive. It has weight to it. It changes us. It does something. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 17, for a New Testament reference, the Apostle Paul said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says the glory of God has weight to it. The glory of God has pressure to it. The glory of God does something when it rests upon our life. The glory of God. We need the presence of the Lord. We need the presence of God heavy upon our life. We need an anointing that has some substance to it. God is working in us a glory that has weight to it. And if we are wise, we will begin to ask God for the anointing. Ask God for the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon me. I want the weight of your presence to be upon my life. I want to carry something of spiritual substance in the earth so that when I walk, I leave footprints in the earth that other people can follow. Ask God for some weight. We don't want to be lightweights in the kingdom. We want to be heavyweights in the kingdom, filled with the power and with the word and with the wisdom of God, with the knowledge, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Now his daughter-in-law, that's Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife. Phineas was one of the priests of the house of God, living far from the principles of the Lord, covetous and immoral. The ark of God, the presence of God, had been taken on the battlefield because of the sin in the ministry and because of the sin in the people of God. And it says that Eli's daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, the ark represented the presence of God, the life of God among the people. When she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear you, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel. 
because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said the glory, the kabod, the weight of God's presence has, been, has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. What a tragic day. Ichabod, kabod the glory, Ichabod. No glory. Where is the glory? The glory has gone from Israel. Phineas' wife, she knew the spiritual state of her family. She knew the spiritual state of the ministry of that day. She knew the spiritual state of the nation and how far it had drawn away from the living God. She was in childbearing, about to be delivered, and when she heard the news, not primarily the news of Eli and of her husband, but the news that the ark had been captured. The presence of God was gone. The Bible says she bowed herself and delivered her child. And she said, I call him Ichabod. And the life went out of her, just like the life had gone out of the nation. Just like the life of God had gone out of the nation. Can you imagine calling your child Ichabod? Parents that were careless, a generation that was careless, and now children that had no glory, no weight of God's presence, no hunger and thirst for the house of God. Can you imagine sons and daughters growing up without the powerful felt presence of God upon their lives? The weight of God coming upon them so it changes them and they walk differently than the lightweights of the world because there's something on them. There's power. There's direction. There's vision. There's the promises of God upon them. Yeah, they're weighed down with the anointing. Families today that have been careless with the Ark of the Covenant, that have been careless with the presence of God, their church attendance, their prayer life, spiritual things, and now the family no longer carries the heavy anointing of God and the power and the presence of the Lord. Let's ask God. Let's ask God. We need a kabed heavy with the kabod. We need the inward parts of our life heavily anointed by the presence and the Spirit of God. Let's have the worship ministry come. Ask the Lord, Father God, ask the Lord for your family. Lord, we want to carry an anointing. We want to carry the presence of God. I don't know about you, but there is nothing more important for me in my life and my spirit that my family, that my children, that my children's children and generations to come carry the weight of God's presence, his power, his anointing, his felt glory upon their lives. Everything else pales in comparison, doesn't it? Everything else will fade and fall away. Everything else will depart from us and we will leave this life. But that eternal weight of glory will remain forever and carry us on into the eternal kingdom. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. Perhaps you're here tonight and perhaps you've been 
a little careless with the Ark of the Covenant, presence of God, sporadic in church attendance, spiritual things come and go. Take the wisdom of the Lord tonight. Take it into your spirit. Behold, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part of my life. Make me to know wisdom. Perhaps Sunday rolls around and you're more led by feelings than by faith. Whatever the mood, whatever the disposition on me, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like pressing in today. I think I'll just take it a little easier. Sunday rolls around and you're led by feelings more than by faith. Monday rolls around and you're led more by feelings than by faith. Friday night rolls around and you're led more by feelings than by faith. Saturday evening comes and you're led more by feelings than by faith and preparation and saying the Lord's day is at hand and I must set my heart and my spirit and my direction for the house of the Lord. You know, some organs are vital. Certain organs are vital. Some are not vital. You can do without them. But there are three things that you cannot do without. Lungs that praise the Lord, a heart that beats after God, and a cobed that is heavy with the cobbled. Let's praise the Lord tonight.